On today's show, we got our top 10 stables and it's WrestleMania weekend, so we're winding it back a few decades to review the controversial WrestleMania 7. All of this and possibly more on the weekend of WrestleMania. Welcome back to the show, fellow listeners. This is the Austin Wrestling Podcast. We are hours away from the stupendous spectacle of the year. No more pointing at signs after this week. We are your hosts. I'm Ernie. That's Michael. Hey, what's up? The Old Age Outlaws. <laughs> yeah. WrestleMania week started last week and at the Oscars with the slapping when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock in the face for saying a joke about Will's entangled wife, Jada. I still say it's a work. It, yeah, I said it's a work too. It, it has. It, I it was hope a, it was. Yeah. Um. Here's why I think it was a work. Yeah. Don't don't ask wrestler wrestling fans to, um, get your viewpoint on the slapping. So this is what happened. This is what this is what I thought was going to happen. Um. So Chris Rock's um comedy special wasn't doing too good, right? Um. Weeks before, it wasn't sold yeah. out. After the slap, it was sold out. Yeah, I see people are like selling tickets, like scalping tickets. They're like, yeah, come and look. I'm like, yeah, dude, come on. And then Will Smith gets up there, slaps him in the face, does all that thing. The while Chris Rock is presenting, and everybody's watching the new the who the nominees are. It could have totally been like it was a joke, everybody. It's the joke. Okay, calm down. Because he did it right in front of um, friggin' Aquaman. Yeah. Uh, he did it right in front of Aquaman. And come on. Jason Momoa would have been like, nah, nah, dude, nah, brother. Come on. What are you doing? Out of line and shit. Like, he did it right in front of all of them. Like, what? If it, wasn't, it wasn't, if it wasn't fake, it'd be like everybody up there, like, security would be up there. No. Right. <laughs> the way I look at this, uh, one, Chris Rock stuck his chin out. Yeah. Two, he was kind of like, you see, he's like grimace or anything happens. He has his hands behind his back. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, we could break down the mechanics of that slap, which <laughs> that in and of itself. But, and you know, consider we're people who watch, we suspend our disbelief. We watch stuff that we know is not real, that is supposed to be real. He, if he would have went to wrestling school on the first day, they would tell him, don't come back here. If that's how your strikes look, they look fake. We can't help you. So if that's real, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, Big Willie slap didn't work. It's not going to work for us, brother. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, brother. Next thing is um, Will Smith. Well, not Will Smith. The Bel Air Show. With that Will Smith is an executive producer of. Mm. Um, so if he slapped Chris Rock for telling a freaking Jada joke, he might as well slap everybody on this show for saying yeah. the entanglement. Oh, yeah, which he probably wrote. Yeah. Like, uh, come on. You laughed at that joke. You saw Jada suffering. And then you walked up there like, Jada gave you the cue. Yeah, go ahead and do it. It's like, all right, hey Chris, tuck your chin in. Right. <laughs> and then the way the way Chris Rock responds, like 
his like whole body like he almost looked like he was gonna fall over you're not falling over a grown man is not gonna fall over from that slap uh chris rock did the first thing you do when you take a bump you tuck your chin in. exactly he tucked his chin and he's like ready go for it go for it well right there oh and then he does it he sold it he sold it chris rock sold it very well but will smith delivered it very poorly poor performance chris rock um carried that slap yeah (laughs) (laughs) he could get slapped by a broom and make it look good exactly (laughs) but you know at the end of the day everybody hates chris yeah well, they all hate Will now, too. They all hate Will now. And then during that show, also, the Bel Air show, um, I guess they did the whole um, Will's father is back in town. Like, oh, way really? too early. Because okay. on the regular show, it just, like, took four seasons. Oh, yeah. Over, yeah, over here, it's like, as soon as he mentioned his father during the uh, first half of the season, I'm like, are you guys seriously going to bring it up? going to, like, way too early for this. All right. So... Will's father shows up, Lou, ends up being um, Marlon Wayans. <laughs> we are they, old. If Marlon Wayans is the right? we are old. We are old already because Marlon Wayans is now a father of a young Will Smith. Oh, God. So he gets up there and they finally meet for the first time. Okay. And Will has that look like he's about, you know. I'm about to slap this dude. I'm like, yeah, well, go ahead and slap this other comedian. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, <there> you, go. <laughs> you wrote the show. Go ahead. So, you know, at the end of the day, Chris Rock got his um, uh, sold out uh, concert ticket comedian yeah. comedy special. And Will Smith got to write another slap of comedian in the face joke. But he never slapped him on the show. So that didn't happen. They were about to fight. It just never happened, though. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm like waiting for Twitter to say something. Slap him! Yeah, right. like, nah, come on, guys. Really? After all you just said about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock, but you want Will Smith to slap his dad on this show? <laughs> oh. Well, I have to say, uh, WrestleMania, obviously, it's now, so it's too soon. I still believe that this is going to be some of the free thing. Uh, maybe they're going to do a show together. Honestly, if this would happen two months ago, I would say they're going to be at WrestleMania. Or bring back celebrity wrestling. I want to be a wrestler. Yeah. Paul yeah, Hogan again. Like, that's not going to work for me, brother. <laughs> or the, we, got Chris, we got Chris the Rock Rock <laughs> against Will the Fresh Prince of Bel Air Smith. Let's go. <laughs> celebrity Deathmatch. That's what they should do. The oh, Celebrity Deathmatch would make a great comeback on this. Um, at the end of the day, I'm just going to wait it out until... Um, the MTV Movie Awards, see if they make fun of it. Because they will. Sure. They're going to make fun of it at the Source Awards. They're going to make fun of it at the BT Awards. Like, yeah, come on out, Will. See what <laughs> happens to your face. <laughs> okay. Uh, Stand Deliver is tomorrow night. WrestleMania is tomorrow night. And Sunday night. But we have predictions. Let's go. So stand deliver goes first. Okay. Um, we have our matches. Carmelo Hayes defending his North American Championship against Greenfield Waller, Santos Escobar, Solo Sikoa, and Cameron Grimes, who got in at the last minute, who beat out A Kid, 
And who did he pin? Who did he pin? I'm not he pinned. Lie, I don't know. He pinned Roderick Strong. I told you, Jobber. Uh, okay. Yeah. Jobber you Strong. You did say that. Job Squad. <laughs> All this for the ladder match for the North American Championship. Prediction time. Mm-hmm. Who takes the gold? Ooh. Maybe they'll turn it around. Maybe they were making Strong look bad. On so purpose. that he could turn it. <laughs> yeah. He'd be the most least likely to win it, right? I'm going to go with him. He's the least uh, likely to win it, so I'm going to say he's going to win it. At the last minute, put him in the match. All right. Uh, I'm going to say, let's say with Santos Escobar. Like, he deserves that push again. I can't stand Grayson Waller. Carmelo Hayes is a great champion. Go after Santos Escobar again. Go for it. Solo Sokoa is too early for him. And Cameron Grimes, mm, almost there, but he's not there yet. Uh, next match. Imperium versus MSK versus the Creed Brothers for the NXT Tag Team Championship. Uh, Imperium. Yeah, let's go with Imperium. I'm not going to choose any other guys here. The Creed Brothers, um, it's obvious that they've been getting text messages from somebody from Boston. No, know who they are, but you know, they're like, Hey, whose number is from Nerea Code 718 or 718? It was around there. It was a Boston area, it was a Boston area code. Looked up, he's gonna help him out. Wow, he'll make a comeback. (laughs) It was a Boston area code. I looked it up. I also looked up who could be from Boston and Walbert. No, other wrestlers, tag team wrestlers, you know, real people. Um. There's Birch and Oni, but they got oh. released, so it'd be kind of not weird to bring them back for this. Hey, all right, cool. Uh, Mandy Rose versus Io Shirai versus Cora Jade versus Kaylee Ray for the NXT Women's Championship. I Who do we the have? Champion will, the champion will keep it. The, the champion will keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And with Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray saying, like, you know, I'm going to beat her. No, I'm going to beat her. It's just going to be like, you know, they're tag team, but at the same time, all right. No. That's, yeah, I think they're going to start a storyline with that. They're going to keep each other from winning, and the champion will sneak one out while they're going at it. it Cora Jade feels like AJ Lee too early for her, and, <laughs> and she's, like, such a good girl. And Toxic Attraction storyline is going great right now. Leave it. Leave it for Mandy Rose. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa versus Tony D'Angelo. Hmm. I don't. I think D'Angelo's been talking too much. I think that. I don't think they're going to give it to him just because they've set it up to where it seems like he's supposed to go over, at least as far you know, as far as his thinking, because he's been so vocal. I think that he's going to get shocked. I think uh, Ciampa's going to shock the world. I think he's gonna win. True, we could, we could. Uh, Coach, I mean, I don't see him losing this match and then going on Raw the next night. Well, the next yeah, night. I mean, if you're gonna be logical about it, I was like, eh. trying to let the kid and me answer these questions. But you know, Tony D'Angelo would be, you know, set him up to where like he's now a part of this and takes <laughs> out the head guy in charge. So, like, both of them are um, mobsters in their own game. Mm-hmm. So, Tony D'Angelo could win this. Um, LA Knight versus Gunta. <laughs> Walter. 
Uh, oh, that's a strange one. <laughs> Walter, Gunter. So, yeah. Is he supposed to be? What was the? And I asked this question before, and it's my memory. Remember, we're we're the old age outlaws. We're the old age outlaws. Uh, he to me, he looks like the Russian. What was the the Russian guy? Uh, Nikolai. Oh, no, not not somebody like him. The like from the two thousand. Six to two thousand, maybe ten or eleven. Oh yeah, forgot his name. Kozlov, Kozlov, Kozlov. Does he look like Kozlov to you? He does look like Kozlov. I'll give it to Kozlov. Oh, uh, let's go with Kozlov, Gunter. But then again, <laughs> who knows? Maybe they'll sanction him. He can't win. There's all those sanctions on Russia. So, but I'll go with I'll go with Kozlov Junior. Mm, could possibly go on here is Index, Indy Hartwell, and Dexter Loomis versus. Dusha, Duke Hudson, and Persia Perota. Uh, they have a showdown. Yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> um, NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match. We got Gigi Dolan and JC Jane from the Toxic Attraction versus the reunion of Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Hmm. Uh... Not trusting Dakota Kai at all. But if you're going to send Raquel Gonzalez to the main roster... But you're trying yeah. to keep Dakota Kai as a face now? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I guess you got to logically. Yeah. And, I mean, it's too soon to, like, put them together again. It happened, that freaking betrayal happened in October. It's, oh, yeah, it's only been, what, four months, five months? Yeah. Around there, it's like, eh, all right. Let's see what happens. But, um, Yeah. Keep Dakota Kai face for now. Uh, Toxic Attraction wins again. Uh, they don't lose their belts until later on and down the line. They they need them. If it wasn't for Mandy Rose, none of this shit would be happening. And same with Dolph Ziggler. Uh, uh, speaking of which, Dolph Ziggler versus Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship. That's a tough one. Because it's like, do they want to put over... LeBron, I mean, uh, <laughs> LeBron. <laughs> Le- LeBron. Yeah, sure. One LeBron's got to win a championship this year. Let's go with him. Oh, one bit. LeBron. One one LeBron should do it. Yeah, we know the other one isn't. So let's. Um, Dolph's, yeah, Dolph's over. Uh, I don't. Come on, Mister Impress. You think? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. For some reason, Dolph. But what? After they win, what? Who's going to come up next? If I see everybody else as a face, as a heel, everybody's going to come up and try to take the NXT Championship. So, yeah, maybe Braun Breaker will do it. I'm just going to go with him. Let's go with Braun Breaker. I don't see anybody else. Dolph Ziggler, like, yeah, okay, thanks for coming by and, you know, ratings, but. Yeah, he needs a break. Go back. Hey, that's all for the Stand and Deliver pay-per-view um, prediction card. Let's go with some Mania card and prediction. Uh, what is this? Night one, Saturday. The KO Show. Guest Stone Cold Steve Austin, Kevin Owens, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. We're gonna do this now at the beginning. Sure. Yeah, we can do it now. Oh. All right, let's go for that. 
Who's a prediction? What's going to happen? Because I think they'll get along, actually. Like, I want it to be a classic Stone Cold. So maybe he'll say something wrong at the end and get a stunner. But I think it'll probably actually be entertaining. And I think they'll, they'll be on the same page. But I think well, KO will get arrogant. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure you've said this before. This is off the... You've said yeah. this... But I was just looking at... The Braun Breaker... He, you said he's one of the Steiner skits? Yeah. Yeah, he looks like... Okay. He's the dog face. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he looks like a Steiner. Uh, I'm saying Stone Cold will probably... Um, Kevin Owens will probably drink his beer wrong the wrong way. Yeah. Or he doesn't even drink beer at all, he says. Oh, oh so this is going to affect... Oh, you don't drink beer? What? I yeah. said you don't drink beer? What? Oh, man. The what chance are coming back? Yeah. Get ready for that. WWE Raw Women's Championship. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. I'm going to go with Becky Lynch. I have to go with the... The new haircut mom, Karen. <laughs> um, Good times. I, yeah, <laughs> Becky I Lynch. The, the, the established one. I think the... Establishment is going to defeat the new blood. Mm. Damn, they really did Bianca Belair dirty with that one. <laughs> but, you know, she already did the whole I cut your hair off, so yeah, Becky Lynch should win this. It. I just don't think she can carry it right now. Huh? You, okay. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe she will and that'll be her WrestleMania story ten years from now when she's talking about re- like, oh my god, but I don't know. I did it I think... twice. I did it at two WrestleManias. Yeah, okay. I don't think so. I don't think she's <laughs> taking it. Uh, WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Charlotte Flair versus your girl, Ronda Rousey. Mm, well, I have to go with Ronda. I don't care. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Charlotte. Really? Because you yeah. are, or you just think that's the smart money. Uh, I like Charlotte. You do? I don't like I don't like Ronda. I do like I mean I, I did like Ronda when she was like fighting for real. Okay. <laughs> real fights. Yeah. But now it's like, oh come on, you called us fake? What? No. Oh, that was a long time ago. Everybody uh, makes mistakes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Charlotte wins. You say Ronda. Alright. Uh WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship. The Usos versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Rude. I mean, Rick Boogs. Rick Boogs. Rick Bastion Booger. Uh, Rick overinflated Boogs. I'm uh, I'm partial, so I have to go Usos. Just that's just who I want to win. Usos. I could see this being a good um, upset, though. Maybe having them feud again with if they lose. Ooh, or how about this? They well. Okay, I'm going to say, how about this? Just keep this in mind. Um, if they lose, uh, they end up getting kicked off the table. They're not at the table anymore. When we mention that match, then I'll mention my other uh, scenario. Okay. Scenario. All right. I see losing it, and I see them being kicked out of the family. That's what I see. Wow. Yeah. No longer acknowledging them, huh? 
That's right. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. The Usos lose. The Usos lose. The other guys won't keep it for more than a week, though. But the Usos lose. Here, here comes your favorite match: Ray and Dominic Mysterio versus The Miz and Logan Paul. Oh. Yeah. Don't really care. <laughs> uh, please don't let, just let Logan Paul win. Don't let Logan Paul pin anybody. No. At all. Miz is fine. Just don't let Logan Paul pin anybody at all. And I mean, I'm just going to go off on a tangent here. For all the people, including myself, yes, I'm one of those, who love wrestling, who train wrestling, who would, like, if, if somebody were to come to me and say, I, God came to me now and was like, I will let you be in a WrestleMania match, but then you have to die of whatever the next day. I would do it. So for this person who I don't consider to be talented, I don't consider to be anything, you know, just with the way technology is, you get a bunch of five-year-olds clicking videos all day. Don't let him have anything significant. It's bad enough that he's already at WrestleMania. That would, have- I would actually be sad. I, I think I would cry. He got to have his moment, man. <laughs> oh, man. Bad enough um, that they're fake boxers. <laughs> Eh, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, can we not? Can it, the last time something like this ever happened? I'm still sour about it. Kevin Federline beating John Cena. Come on, I'm still not over that. I like that some, offends me less. That offends you less. Something like this happening play. again is like, yeah, I don't trust WWE. They're gonna do that if they allowed Kevin Federline to pin freaking John Cena. Back you know what? Because ten I think, years ago, I think it takes more talent to marry Britney Spears than to make YouTube videos like they make. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> All right, what I'm going with. <laughs> We're spending too much time on Logan Paul. <laughs> let's not do that on this podcast. All right, let's next match: Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin. I hope <laughs> Drew kicks his ass. Yeah, true. I hope Just, he- uh, Drew, I don't really care. Um, next match: King Woods and Kofi Kingston versus Sheamus and Ridge Holland, which with probably Butch on the outside waiting. Who do you like? <sighs> I'm biased, so who do you like? A New Day, obviously. Not for me. do it for Biggie at least. If they do, fine for that. But oh no, I I like Sheamus. And I still, do not like the New Day, actually, at all. I actually dislike the New Day a lot. Uh, still sour about um, Pete Dunn's new name. But I guess let's go with it. Butch. It'd be great if, you know, hey, this is my brother, Butch Holland. That's great. Sounds Ridge cool. Holland and Butch Holland. The Holland brothers. Yeah. They fucking will kick your ass. <laughs> Especially Butch. He'll, he'll kick your ass. Butch and Luke. Butch and look, oh man, don't do that. <laughs> Butch whacked us. Yeah, cousin, cousin Ridge, cousin Butch, great. And the final um thing on night one is Seth Rollins versus Question Mark. Who's it gonna be? Mark kicks. No, I don't. Know. Uh, I, I guess it depends on who it is. If it's somebody, a legend comes back, the legend, whoever it is, I don't care. But even if it's uh, Gil, 
Gilbert. I want him to have his WrestleMania. Goldberg. Um, no, well, Goldberg, yeah, but even Gilbert. Speculation is that Cody Rhodes is Cody um, Rhodes. That's the whole thing that's coming up. Um, others are saying, new sites are saying that he's backing out. Other new sites are saying that people are telling him to back out. It's not worth it going back there. Um, and then you go on Twitter and a vacant Twitter tweet the freaking WWE vacant champion you know reactivated his account from back in the day when he was just like every time vacant champ the title was vacant like hey I'm still here yeah he came back and said Seth Rollins I'm going to take you out just the same way I took you out a long time ago Mm. and you injured your leg oh man so so vacant might come back Vacant might come back for this. <laughs> um, might not be a bad thing. Cody Rhodes or whatever. Whoever it is, you know, that person's going to beat Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins not even ready. But it's a huge disservice because Seth Rollins was your number one guy at one point. Now he was, yeah. He's getting the King Kong Bundy treatment. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> as long as it's not a midget, we're good. Ooh. Oh, Oh. <laughs> Uh, night two of WrestleMania. Uh, um, WWE Raw Tag Team Championship Triple Threat Match: RK Bro versus the Street Profits <laughs> versus Alpha Academy. I'm biased. Randy Orton, so even if Randy. he has to take the Surfer guy with him, I want yeah. Randy Orton. <laughs> yeah, barely can stand the three Street Profits and Alpha Academy's okay, just not my cup of tea. RK bro. Yeah, uh, I, feel, I feel like the Street Profits is something that would have been clever. Like, basically, are they just like a generic crime time? Yeah, that's what I thought the first time okay. I saw them. Like, crime time had their, like, uh, we'll steal your stuff and sell it. Right. Street Profits all, like, we'll party. Yeah, with it's Red Solo Cups. Because they're not, yeah, they're like frat bros, I guess, but like, yeah, basically fat bros. Um, WWE Women's Tag Team Championship Fatal Four Way Match: Queen Zelina and Carmella versus Sasha Banks and Naomi versus Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan versus Natalia and Shayna Baszler. So my personal choice would be Natalia to win and Shayna. Shayna so and Natalia. Sasha Banks taking it though because she's big now. Um, I'm gonna call it a short match and say. I don't know, Selena and Carmella. Yeah, even with four Matt four teams in there, I anything more than ten minutes is too long for yeah. even with four teams. Yeah, it's gonna be wait. Yeah, hey, none of you girls are doing anything. You want a match? Let's go. <laughs> uh, Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn. Up, Johnny Knoxville win. Uh, another. <laughs> what you have two freaking. Well, celebrity. one celebrity, one celebrity. <laughs> yeah, one celebrity and Logan Paul. One celebrity and Logan Paul. Johnny Knoxville or Sami Zayn. Um, uh, just give it to Knoxville. Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville, and this is Jackass Thirty Eight. Yeah, fun. Have him like do a booby trap, like on the show. Have the ring, like, the mankind using a forklift on the rock. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah, let's do that. Just yeah, it should be uh, zany. 
I'm gonna get bit by a snake like Macho Man or something. Uh, Johnny Knoxville brings out Wee Man. <laughs> Sammy yep, Zayn brings out. Sammy Zayn right. brings out. Um, uh, what's Orange the Swaggle. Orange Swaggle. <laughs> and then here comes Doink, and then it's just a free for all with his. Oh name. no! Here they all come. Uh, hey, let's go with Johnny Knoxville on that one. Yeah, why not? Make it fun. Hey, Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory. Ugh. I could see them having Pat McAfee win, but I think Austin Theory should win. Yeah. I think he should win, but I could see them. Pat McAfee, and then the storyline continues until SummerSlam. God, I wish that was true. Until the next pay-per-view. Yeah. <laughs> like Austin will just come out to SmackDown. like, no, you didn't beat me fair. You cheated. Like, come on. I've beaten Adam Cole can't beat you. Well, Vince likes him, so they might give it to him. Uh, this just announced Bobby Lashley versus Omos. Yeah, Bobby Lashley. Yeah, yeah, I think that's... just to there's no way they're gonna freaking bury Bobby to uh, this guy. They do that, and especially coming back from an injury, you don't come back from injury. You better off staying home if you're gonna lose to that. You're gonna lose to this guy. <laughs> to this monster. What? Just bring back freaking Braun Strowman. Giant Gonzalez. Oh, what? yeah. Not Braun Strowman, Giant Gonzalez. Bring back all the monsters. <laughs> that yeah, can act with Russell. Wow. If they let him <laughs> win, I, I don't know. Would it be a... It wouldn't be clean, but I don't know. Yeah. Unless they're going to try to push him, but... Like, yeah. Okay. Know. Edge versus AJ Styles. Edge. 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 Damn. All right. Cool. <laughs> I gotta go with the old guy. The old guy. Uh, finally, WWE Champion versus mm-hmm. Universal Champion. Winner take all championship unification match. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. For me. You go first. This is actually... Oh, and just let me remind everybody there, we're speaking as Marks here because, you know, there's going to be people like, oh, dummy, so-and-so is going to film a movie in two weeks. Right. We're not doing all that. We're speaking cool. at least I am. I'm speaking as a mark. I'm choosing who I like, not who you know, oh, so-and-so is going out for surgery next month. He has to lose. Because I used to, I would go to, I remember when I went to, I know, off on a tangent, but I went to the uh, No Mercy? One of those. It was in September 2003. It was when Triple H, I want to say went against, would it have been Steiner or Goldberg? Either way, um, somebody had said somebody asked me out in the lobby or whatever. I'm like, "Oh, who do you think's going?" I was like, "And then somebody up top was like, "He has to lose. He's going." I think wasn't that when he went to go film Blade or something? Triple H, yeah, yeah. So they were like, "No, he's going to lose. He's leaving in a couple weeks." Okay, yeah. I'm not. I'm. If you're going to do all that, why did you even waste your money for a ticket? So we're speaking as marks. At least I am. So all you smart marks, save it. Don't care. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna say Roman Reigns. Um, 579 days as champion, and well, by the time we get to night two, it's gonna be 581. So continue that. And Just I keep would, going. 
I would like for Roman Reigns to win. I, it's hard for me because, you know, again, we're the old age outlaws, but like, I've been a Brock Lesnar fan almost from day one when he came in. So it's like, okay. I, so I love- what do you what what do you do after Brock Lesnar wins? And what do you do right. with um, Roman Reigns after right. Brock Lesnar wins? You know. Like, okay, you're gonna go back to fighting Brock Lesnar again, going for that title, and then you beat him, and then what? Oh shit! Okay, day one. Well, all right. Don't really care about his title reign anymore. He already got beat. Proof well, that he can the, get beat. The problem is that if Brock doesn't stick around, you know, people don't want to have the belt on TV once a month. I mean, we, if we're going to go with that, you know. Right. We still need that um, Rock versus Roman Reigns match to go happen, too. Ooh. Wow. So, that would actually be good. So I will say this I do want Roman Reigns to win. But could they have something where, again, wouldn't this be like another streak for Brock Lesnar to break? Oh, damn it. <laughs> I mean, another you know, with them. You never know. <sighs> um, what was your thing with the Usos for this one? Oh, so this one, I was thinking maybe instead Roman Reigns loses the title and then he's no longer head of the table. They put him out of the family. Oh. Remember when he was? I don't remember what, exactly when it was. You probably remember better than me. When he was hard on them, and he was like, "Tell them they were like a disgrace to him," and he wasn't. Remember? Yeah. yeah. So what he was telling Jay and Jimmy, yeah. like, "I'm the head of the table. I this is my show." Right. And he but he no longer has the belt, but the Usos do. So now one of the Usos has to. Yeah. They keep the belts. He loses the belt, and he's like, "Hey guys, it's cool, whatever, whatever." And they're like, "No." And then maybe he turns. You know, and then all of a sudden, the Usos and Heyman turn on, and then wow, Heyman sticks with Usos, and maybe that's instead of chasing after Black, now that goes on. But now he's kind of like the wounded wolf thrown out. I don't know. Ah, I like that. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> it's like he's no um, longer the guy anymore. He's no longer the head of the table. He's no mm-hmm. longer being acknowledged by the family. And it might not even happen in WrestleMania. It's not, you know, they do a, a, they're talking and, you know, he's talking, they're behind him. And then they kind of say, you know what? We're not afraid of you anymore. We don't need you anymore. Champion. What is Roman Reigns without his title? Yeah. We've or we could wait. We don't have gold. Or we could wait until SummerSlam and have The Rock do it. And then The Rock becomes the new head of the table. Hey. Now that would be cool. That would actually be pretty cool. Acknowledge The Rock. <laughs> That would be really cool. All right, that's all the predictions we have. Um, let's see what happens on night one and night two, and we'll go from there. Uh, let's take a short break, and we'll be right back with the top ten stables. <laughs> This week's question was the top 10 stables are personally from both of us, not top 10 stables of all time and everywhere else, Mm -hmm. just from us. I asked this question in the old school wrestling Facebook group and got a few responses. I should visit that site too. Forgot all about it. One of which I took a look at and was really impressed. 
But I do want to point out is that the reason for a stable is to create chaos, destroy the competition, and secure any and all titles that are available. So not a lot of favorites were chosen. Sorry, guys, that wanted, you know, who you are. But I did look at the history of who I chose, and it was from all the companies that I've watched till now. So basically, we have a bit of New Japan, a bit of Mexico Stables, a bit of ROH, TNA, WWE, WWE. I looked at them all. So with that in mind, let's go with number 10. You're going to start this off. All right. I'm going to... I'm. I'm going to put it, they're not necessarily all in order. I'm going to have a few that are specific, but I'm going to go with the New Heart Foundation for number 10. Damn! Let's go! <laughs> I like yeah. them. I thought they were relevant at the time. I thought they were pretty cool. I was always, I my number one tag team, I would say, is the Heart Foundation. So to have the New Heart Foundation with Bulldog and all the other guys, not my favorite, definitely a top 10. I'll, I'll let them start it off. All right, cool. Um, I have a few. Um, what? Hold on. I have a few honorable mentions in here, also, like at least four of them. Okay. Do you have some too? Um, I could throw some in there. Okay, cool. We do that. Uh, my number ten. Um, yeah, we're 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 there way past the Heart Foundation on this one. <laughs> the Dangerous Alliance. Started in 1987 and evolved into three different companies. The group's name came from Paul Heyman, who was known back then as Polly Dangerously. Formed in AWA with Adrian Adonis and the Midnight Express oh, wow. in 1990. Yeah, in 1991 he formed the Alliance in WCW when he got fired as a commentator. He came back at Halloween Havoc and introduced everyone to the Mysterious Phantom, which ended up being Ravishing Rick Rude. At Clash of the Champions 17, Rick Rude defeated Sting for the WCW United States Championship. On the following episode of World Championship Wrestling TV, Heyman announced the formation of Dangerous Alliance, which included Rick Rude, Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson, Larry Savisco, Medusa, and stunning Steve Austin. Nice. Nice. Okay. ECW 1993, Dangerous revived the alliance with Jimmy Snuka, Don Morocco, the Dark Patriot, and hot stuff Eddie Gilbert. Also in 1993 on Hardcore TV, Dangerously added two new members into the group, ECW champion Shane Douglas and Sherry Martell. The group also included Sabu as the bodyguard at one point. Other members included Tasmaniac and 911. Eleven championships held all together as a unit. You really went back with that one. Oh, I went back and found out that Arn Anderson got around. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. I'm just like, what the hell, man? What other stable were you in? Oh. Oh. Well, obviously, I know about that stable. But oh, my goodness. Well, he, really, he really got around. Um, Number nine. Go for it. Number nine. I have to go with. Uh, you'll like this one. It's from our era, the brood, Gangrel Edge and Christian. Yes, <laughs> love that. I, like I said back then, with being with the the Undertaker, um, all that stuff. It was just fun times. Obviously, the bloodbath was probably the most fun. The 
lot of bad for fun. Like, I remember watching that and I'm just like, that was like, I want to be there. Is that real blood? <laughs> yeah, <What>? right. <laughs> Is that, that the carry thing going on? Pig blood? <laughs> I wish it would be cool to be in the front row. Oh, getting blood. Yeah, like, great. Getting splashed. <laughs> that's the reason I became a CSI agent. Wow. So that's why I, I got to stick with Edge this weekend. I got to go with Edge. Got to go with Edge for everything. Like, he's an old man, but still, he can still go. And he just came back from a neck injury, too. So we got to go with Edge. Gotta go. All right. My number nine is the Heart Foundation. Okay. Originated in 1985 by brothers-in-law Bret Hart and Jim Hart. Jim Neidhart. Not Hart. Jim Neidhart. As a tag team, and then modified its name into New Foundation between Jim Neidhart and Owen Hart. They really didn't become a complete stable until 1997 when Bret Hart reconciled with his brother Owen, brother lost the British Bulldog, and Jim Neidhart, and family friend Brian Pillman, who were involved in the deep trenches of the stable wars in the Attitude Era. Remember that. After the death of Brian Pillman, the others continued on with the stable until the tragic Montreal screwdrop expanded the entire group. Yeah. The Hart Foundation name didn't come back until the early 2000s when Bret Hart's nephew and toxic wrestler Teddy Hart brought it back to team with third generation Hart. His cousin, David Hart Smith, Natalia Neidhart, and Jack Evans and Stampede Wrestling. So it went back to his roots. In 2007, the Hart Foundation was back at a stable in WWE's developmental territory, Florida Championship Wrestling, which included Teddy Hart, D.H. Smith, Natalia Neidhart, and her husband, Tyson Kidd, mm-hmm. and Ted DiBiase Jr. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Like, Ted DiBiase, D- 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 little DiBiase in the stable. Like, all right, cool. So not only were you in evolution, you were here too. Yeah. And in, in 2008, WWE brought in D.H. Smith, Natalia, and Tyson to the main roster as the Hart Dynasty. This team only lasted until 2010. In 2018, a new Hart Foundation stable was formed in Major League Wrestling with Teddy Hart, D.H. Smith, Smith, and Brian Pillman Jr. They have collectively held 17 championships together all across the states over the years. Not Not a bad one at all. Yeah. Oh, anything with Bret Hart in it, like yeah, well, it has to be in that. Always oh, gotta be good. Uh, number eight. Okay, now let me ask: Can a tag team with a manager who was like not a so not if it was a manager like Jimmy Hart, but if it was kind of like a manager who at least seemingly could have been involved, can that be considered a stable, or should I save that for an honorable mention? You could put that in there. I tried putting that in there, and then I was just like, all right, I'm going to do an honorable mention on them. All right. <laughs> You're going to laugh at this one. All right, men, go ahead. <laughs> men on a mission. Oh, my God. With Oscar, right? That's three. That's three. Yes, he was a manager, but he was a solid manager for them. It's not like he's Jimmy Hart going everywhere, you know, between everybody. He was like, you can't say men on a mission without Mabel Moana. I can't say men on a mission without Mabel and Mo. <laughs> Oscar's like, what did you do? <laughs> he was their MC. He was their what? flavor flame. Okay, flavor flame, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> like you did nothing for this. It's not true. He's the one who got the crowd into it. 
Uh, okay, yeah, right, because without him, without him, freaking yeah. Mabel would just be hurting people. <laughs> and Mo, come on. Mo just horrible at this. I think Oscar is more memorable than Mo. Yeah, truthfully, <laughs> is it's like Mo was just there. Like you're the new king of the ring. That's as far as I can remember. That's it. That's the only memorable thing that he ever did. Well, and then I'm freaking. King Oof. Mabel went on to do his own thing, and then he became Viscera. Um, <laughs> and Big Daddy V. Let's not forget about Big Daddy V. Oh God. Put some respect on Big Daddy, Big Daddy V's name. Let's forget when he took off the garbage bag and put on suspenders with no shirt underneath. Let's forget that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, my number eight, the Fabulous Freebirds. Oh, you put them at eight. See, I have them. I just I have them a lot lower than that. Yeah, okay. Create created in 1979 and the blueprint for every stable or three man tag team that yeah. would acquire the defending of the tag team championship under the Freebird rule. Mm-hmm. Originated as a tag team in Mid South Wrestling with Michael P.S. Hayes. The P.S. stands for <laughs> Pure Sexy. It does. And Terry Bam Bam Gordy. They didn't take long in adding third member Buddy Jack Roberts. They were the reason for the Freebird rule, which invented which any two or three members can defend the team's championship. Mm-hmm. Their famous feud consisted in world-class championship wrestling in Dallas, Texas, against the Von Erich family. Yay. Remember them? Of course. <laughs> Dallas remembers. Yeah, they were. The Freebirds went all over the territories inciting riots, not on purpose, but they were the reason for the term heat. Uh, heat, heat. We're gonna kill you, Heat. Yeah. <laughs> you hurt you hurt our Von Eric family. How dare you? Oh my. Yeah. Later that. yeah, a lot later upon joining WCW, Hayes would team with Jimmy Garvin and Bam Bam Gordy as well as the services of Brad Armstrong, who was known as Bad Street. Collectively they held twenty eight championships together with different managers in the stable, such as Big Daddy Dink, don't know who that was, David Wolf, Precious Jimmy Jimmy Garvin's wife. Valerie French, also known as Sunshine, and Diamond Dallas Page. Hmm. Good times. DDP was in the group. <laughs> they weren't known as the Fabulous Freebirds, but you know he was in there. He was manager. All right, let's go number seven. All right, so I'm gonna. Thanks to the Fabulous Freebirds, uh, which made this stable relevant, I'm going to go with uh, Demolition when they added Crush. And they used the Freebirds rule. Yeah, they did. Yeah, pretty good. When they Love that on. team. Yeah. Ash, I like that. Nash and Crush. I honestly think that Crush ended up being my favorite, even though he wasn't the original. He wasn't. He was. Yeah. Hmm. And then he went on to do his own thing. Kona Crush, brother. The, yeah, the man from the islands. Hawaii. Fighting with Dorn. Surfer. Surfer guy. Getting beat by Yokozuna. Yeah, remember that guy. <laughs> and then our uh, and then our friends uh, Smash went on to what? Repo Man, right? Didn't he become Repo Man? Mm, I think it was, yeah. Either yeah. that or Axe. One of them became Repo Man and like, yeah, Axe was the I, 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 Smash. Yeah, 
out of the two, I think um, Repo Man got better gig out of it. Who did X become? I don't remember him after Demolition. No, he had left. He's gone. Oh, he left. Oh, he okay, went because of the the shellfish um, allergy that he had going on. He couldn't. Nope. So he went to New Japan or AWA, one of those, and okay. did a similar story, a similar gimmick. All that stuff. Yeah, I remember doing. WWE. I remember doing research on that. Uh, hey, my number seven, um, which I found on the old school wrestling, which somebody told me about that I should take a look at, and it's really freaking awesome, man. The Stud Stable, hmm. uh, first formed by the original Tennessee Stud. Ron Fuller in Southeastern Championship Wrestling in 1982. His version included Jimmy Golden, Lord Humongous, and a young Iron Anderson. Told you you got around. Oh, wow. <laughs> there have been other versions of the stable across other promotions as the Continental Wrestling Association, which was created by Ron's brother, Robert Fuller, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And in 1994, a similar version was created in WWE when Robert Fuller, known as Colonel Robert Parker, formed it with Terry Funk. Dick Slater, the Black Top Bully, Bunkhouse Buck, Meng, and Arn Anderson. Hmm. If, what, what happened to the Four Horsemen, man? Okay. <laughs> 41 championships held. Wow. Past members include Arn Anderson, of course, Dutch Mantel, Cactus huh. Jack, Downtown Bruno, Barry Wyndham, and Stunning Steve Austin. Good times. Oh yeah, no, I'd say not bad at all. Yeah, not bad at all. It's like, yeah, I, I don't remember calling them the stud stable, but I remember when that whole thing happened. I'll the blacktop, blacktop bully versus Dustin Rhodes and that blacktop match at uncensored. Oh wow, okay. Wasn't it like in nineteen? Yeah, it was in nineteen ninety four, uncensored. Um, bunk it, it does sound kind of the okay. Yeah, the bunk bunkhouse match, bunkhouse buck. Meng was their security or bodyguard, but I don't remember Arn Anderson in it. Yeah, and then uh, and and, yeah, and then Terry Funk and Dick Slater. I do remember those two because I hated these guys. They were like brawlers. (laughs) Like that's the only thing I remember about them is that they were brawlers. They were freaking. They didn't sell any moves. They just like, all right, Terry punch. Punk, no, he didn't like it. So, punch, 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 brawl. Um, was it a forearm to the eye? Rub the forearm, all that stuff. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and then Dutch Mantel is a manager. That's freaking awesome. Cactus Jack. I don't remember Downtown Bruno though. No, I don't. Who is um, Harvey Whippleman? Oh, well, yeah, I know. Yeah. But stud stable, man. Pretty good. Pretty good um, wrestlers in there. All right. What's your number six? My number six is going to be table that came to the WWE in 2000 The oh, Radicals. Boy. The Radicals. Then oh, man. Veteran and Dean Malenko when they sat in the Crowd. Remember they sat in the crowd. Uh, Chris Benoit was wearing his silk see-through shirt. 
Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> the silk, the 1980s silk yeah. shirts from all of them actually. Uh, like, hey, we're going we're going out. Wear your top. Yeah, wear your best. <laughs> wear your Sunday best. Gotta look fancy for the occasion. <laughs> but that was definitely cool to see them there. That was kind of like a, a takeover type of thing. And being the four serious wrestlers at the time when there was, you know, it was still a lot of DX and a lot of joking and stuff going on. Yeah. Serious wrestlers at the time. Yeah. I wonder what yeah. happened, happened to that. All considered, I mean, even Perry Saturn, well, he was considered a tough guy, but Benoit Guerrero and Malenko, all considered very, uh, you know, technical wrestlers. Even Saturn. Wrestlers. Even Saturn. Saturn too, yeah. was he? Okay. I, I just can't stop thinking about that mop thing. Oh, always come back to the mop. <laughs> Man, look, he freaking beat up the guy. Oh, yeah, he takes Mike him Bell. out. Mike Bell, he beats him up. He gives him a fucking concussion. You know, he deserved that. Just in, <laughs> uh, Did he deserve Maybe he didn't. Maybe he did. Who knows? Stranger things have happened in the WWE, as mm-hmm. Macho Man Randy Savage would say. <laughs> but... Did they need to get um, Saturn in a six-month relationship with a mop? Maybe not. Yeah, he really... Maybe not. But it it did happen. Like, he deserved better. So did Dean Malenko. Like, the fact that... Yeah, the fact that... Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero were the only two that got like, okay, we're going to push you guys. But you and you, you have this thing about wrestling. You like to wrestle. We don't we don't allow that here, no. <laughs> this is sports entertainment. <laughs> what, what's this about your thousand hosts? No, we're not doing that. And we don't have time for that. You only have three Perry, minutes. Perry Saturn was an eliminator. No, never mind. Um, Eddie, can you do that lie, cheat, and steal thing again? Yep. Yeah, that was, that yeah that, that'll do it. Got t-shirts for that. So. And Chris, try not to get concussions. Oh, no. Okay. No. Oh, no. We'll see. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, my number six. Los Ingobernables de Japón. Oh, the Ingoberno. Ingo- oh, shit. Fuck it. I just butchered that name. Inga, ungoverned of Japan, which is oh, a wow. spinoff from the ungoverned of in CML in Mexico. Um, when I first watched him, it was probably in 2016 when Jim Ross was wow. working for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he was trying to say it, but he kept having trouble with his Spanish. Yeah. Just the same way I am. <laughs> uh, uh, like, yeah, you try saying that. Ingovered. What? Okay. Ungoverned. I'm not going to try. Ungoverned. They're, they're not governed. There you, go. there you go. Japan members Tetsuya Naito, Bushi, and Evil, which started in November 2015. Evil betrayed the group in 2020 after he won the New Japan Cup and joined the Bullet Club, of course, because hmm. that's a thing now. Other members include Shingo Takagi, Sanada, Takahashi, and Rush, who was a former member, who was a member of the Spanish version of the group and joined the Japan version in 2015. Jay Lito, who mainly represented the group in Ring of Honor, but nothing was mentioned during his matches, not that I know of, not that I remember. 
when he was fighting. Um, together, they've held 28 championships, G1 Climax in 2017, Best of the Juniors in 2018, 2020, and 2021, and a New Japan Cup in 2020 and 2016. Okay. And now it's my number six. Let's go with honorable mentions, if you have them. All right. Um, <laughs> four live crew. <laughs> four or three? Well, so remember when they had uh, had Ron? So they had Ron Killings, they had Conan, they had Archer. BG, and then they had Kip James. Um, fine. All right, let's. <laughs> we'll allow funny. it. It's not serious. It's totally and we'll funny. we'll allow it. I saw that uh, was just like a BKM thing. <laughs> it's just supposed to be funny. It's honorable. Man. The Mudokin Mafia. Oh. <laughs> that was the, f- yeah, it's like they spin off from that. Like, we're the VKM. Right. Budokin Mafia, which was like a thing for Kennedy. VKM, Vincent yeah. Kennedy McMahon. Right. <laughs> Those horrible people. Um, <laughs> mine is The New Day. Okay. I'm surprised I didn't get near 10. Eh. They're okay. The only, it's, See, I was going for it, but they've only held the championship. They held the tag team titles at least 14 times, and they were the longest reigning tag team champions at 483 days. But other than that, it's like, all right, I'm going to just put them into honorable mention. Like, they're, they're good, just not like, oh my God, the greatest tab, stable ever. Well, I don't blame you. Not, like not, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah, next time. Uh, not yet. Also, the Dudley Boys. Oh, yeah. I, uh. Uh, established in 1995 in ETW by Big Dick, Big Daddy Dudley. <laughs> he had his boys Dudley Dudley, Big Dick Dudley, and Snot Dudley, <laughs> and were only supposed to be a comedic team family group of jobbers. Snot Dudley left the group and ETW due to a ski jet accident. Hey, same thing happened to... Um, Oh, never mind. And was replaced by Dances with Dudley. The group was expanded when they added a Beast member, Chubby Dudley, and Death member, Sign Guy Dudley, into the group. A bunch of Dudleys. I wonder why they didn't bring in any woman Dudley. All right. Hmm. Stacy Keebler, maybe? No? Not yet? Okay. Nice. In October 1995, Bubba Ray Dudley was added to the group as a stuttering hillbilly who entertained fans by dancing <laughs> and mostly wrestled with his brother, Little Spike Dudley. D-Bomb Dudley joined ECW in April of 96 as well and was hostile towards the family, claiming that true Dudleys were not comedians. In February of 97, d and Bubba Ray Dudley kicked everyone out of the Dudley family except for Sign Guy Dudley and Big Dick Dudley. <laughs> they made their way to the WWE with Spike Dudley and in TNA as Team 3D with a total of 40 combined championships. The reason they are not on the list and our honorable mentions, even though they started as a group of stable years later, they would be known as one of the greatest tag teams of all time. That's partially without Spike Dudley or other members. Yeah. So there you go. All right. I want to do one more. And yes, this is a tag team. I just really want to say this name. So just humor me. Uh, honorable mention also. It, it's right. honor mention. It's really a tag team. But because one guy had two different names. I'm going to count him as two different people. <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> two dudes with attitudes. <laughs> oh, the hell? John, John Kevin Nash and Diesel? <laughs> yeah. 
John Michaels, Diesel, and Kevin Nash. I'm counting them as three. I was for WWE 2K22. He has his um, Diesel and Kevin Nash yeah. in the stable. So. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I just uh, want to say that, the name, Two Dudes with Attitudes. That is fine. Uh, my other honorable mention is, let's not butcher this one like I did with the Ingovernables, Los Perros del Mal, or the Dogs of Evil. Originally created in Mexico in CMLL, which it consisted of mainly heel luchadores and founded by Pedro Aguayo Jr., the group originally started as La Furia del Norte, or the Fury of the North, but was changed and evolved into the Dogs of Evil as wrestlers not from the North started joining. On June 6th at AAA biggest event of the year, Triple Mania 18, hey, you know, creative name, Pedro Aguayo Jr., Damien 666, Halloween, and L.A. Park. When was that in? Yeah, the not La Parca, L.A. Park. <laughs> yeah, same mask, <laughs> but same mask and everything, but just oh. like um, because of um, you know somebody else owning the name, I guess. Yeah. Started an invasion in the promotion. At one time, there were thirty-three members in the stable. Sadly, the stable disbanded due to the loss of Frederick Wire Jr. That happened in twenty fifteen. I'm not going to tell you who killed him. I mean, who, what happened, but, you know. Yeah, we'll save that one. Too. He jumped up the sky. Alley. Yeah. Other past members include Hector Garza, Ivelisse, L.A. Park, Psychosis, Pentagon Dark, who still wears the three scratches on the back of his wrestling gear as a tribute, because those were his brothers, and hmm. Taya Valkyrie, and Canadian Teddy Hart. What? the hell okay oh. Oh, yeah. sure you know just bring in the guy that nobody likes yeah. <laughs> they yeah, collectively held yeah, they collectively held 12 championship rings a king of kings tournament 2012 and 2016 and the triple mania cup in 2014 so they won the triple yeah. tournament nice triple mania king yeah tournament. king of kings <laughs> I wonder if Triple H didn't... Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Great oh. not knowing what that meant, but okay. <laughs> All right, let's back to the countdown. Number five. All right. Good stuff. I am going for number five. I'm going to go with the corporate ministry. Oh, my goodness. I, I just like watched... Um, and I just watch Evil on Peacock too, which is hilarious. Cause oh, you have to check that out. I definitely have to look, there. At that, look at that. No, I like corporate ministry. I mostly like the theme song, and I like having uh, with all the guys in there, having Jane in there, and Triple H adding to it. I, I think it added another layer. It wasn't just the supernatural stuff. It was just basically it was like every corporation you can think of there. I think the devil's in every successful corporation, if you ask me. So, yeah, there it is. It's not. It's art imitating life. It's life imitating art. But I thought it was cool though when you when they would come out and you just see like fifteen people coming down to the ring all at once. Yeah, right. Like NWO like style. Roster, yeah. Like so, NWO did it, and over here they do it too. It's like, see, this is better. This is much cooler because you know they're going to get their ass kicked. You know they're not going to be champions. But right. over here it's like, oh, man, same old shit. Okay. <laughs> but I, so I thought it was cool having all them 
come out. And like I said, it's just added a little bit more to it than just the supernatural stuff. Right. Um, yeah, I really love those. Um, sad that they didn't put that, they didn't include that in Undertaker's um, thing about evil, but they did it in hmm. Stephanie McMahon's oh, okay. episode. So it's like, all right, cool. I guess we're going to save some stuff over. Uh, all right, my number five. You're going to laugh at this one. <laughs> the Heenan family. <laughs> well, no, they're good, actually. They're good. They're very good. Like, I always thought they were just jobbers. But no, like, okay, what? looking at it, looking at it now, it's like, oh, okay. Perfect. Mr. Nice. Perfect, Rick Rude. Well, they became jobbers later, but um, not. The only good thing about the Heenan family was Mr. Perfect and Rick Rude. And maybe Andre the Giant. Everybody else just like, what the hell these guys do? No. Yeah. I don't remember him being in there. I saw that um, Jimmy Hart managed him. Jimmy Hart, you're right. Okay. You're right. right. Uh, Original incarnation from the brain of Bobby Heenan that started in the American Wrestling Association in 1974 as a manager to Nick Bockwinkle, Ray Mm -hmm. Stevens, and later forming the group stable with Bobby Duncan Sr., also included in the first incarnation where the Blackjacks, Lanza, and Mulligan, also known as Robert Delroy Wyndham. You know, Wyndham. Yeah. That Wyndham. Between huh. 1974 and 1984, when he joined the WF, he was in other promotions, including Georgia Championship Wrestling. Heenan made his debut in 1984, and the first member of the Heenan family originally was supposed to be Jesse the Body Ventura, but he was forced to retire due to health problems. So Big John Studd replaced him. So we get that one first. Yeah. Between 1984 and 1993, when Heenan left WWE for WWE, the Heenan family was just stable with 29 championships under their belt and big names such as Andre the Giant. Eh, hot jobbed. He yeah, left because of health reasons. Haku jobbed. The Barbarian jobbed. Hercules sold his contract. King Kong Bundy. Okay. Ric Flair. Yeah, see, there's a good one. He he brought in Ric Flair. He brought in Lex Luger. <sighs> he, the Brain Busters, um, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, Mister Perfect and Rick Rude. So he did kind of did a good thing out of it. Give him some. No, no, no. Yeah, not bad. Not bad stable at all. Not in, together, but you know, he he had a family. There's nothing more important than family. If you've ever seen Fast and Furious, you know that's true. <laughs> Can't play music anymore, but we're trying. <laughs> All right. Uh, number four. So you probably laugh at this one. I'm going with Four Horsemen, but I'm going with the Four Horsemen with Benoit on it because I'm a Benoit guy. Yeah, I know you are. Go ahead. So, What else thought, do you got? I don't think that was the best... Obviously, that wasn't the best version of him, but I, I just, at that time, that's when I would have been watching him, so I thought that was kind of cool when they they had him in a, remember they did that whole thing, enter, uh, how do you do it? He was like, enter Chris Benoit, and then he did that whole, this whole speech, uh, joining the Four Horsemen and stuff, so I thought, you know, and that's back when we thought it was real, it was kind of scary, actually, his persona, when he was oh, the Four Horsemen. Oh, God, yeah, that one. Um. Now, which one with the Chris Benoit was this? The one with uh, Mongo or the one with Dean Malenko? 
I'm actually gonna go with the one with Mongo. I know that's that's probably not the best one, but I like or 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 the one with Brian Pillman. I like him. I was not a big Brian Pillman fan. I'm not gonna so, like not the biggest. So I'm gonna go with the one with Mongo. The one with Mongo. Yeah. Uh, cool. I thought he was believable as an enforcer back then. That's so he true. Kind of made the he, team. Yeah, he was. <laughs> who they were at that time. My number four is, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, D Generation X, or the state where I got mostly all the young kids in trouble at school. Mm-hmm. And founded. Oh goodness. Founded in August eleventh of nineteen ninety between two best friends in the backstage area known as the Click in the midst of the Attitude Era. Shawn Michaels teamed up with Triple H and China with the inclusion of someone who wasn't doing much in the backstage area, but was hired, recruited, as the insurance policy. The group added more people to the stable the night after WrestleMania 15 when Shawn Michaels got kicked out, left the group to rehab his bad back, got kicked out. The New Age Outlaws, the Road Dog, Jesse James, and Badass Billy Gunn joined the group as well as member of the Click and recently released from the and former NWO member X-Pac. Together, they held over 27 championships at a stable, with the inclusion of the woman championship held by Stephanie McMahon Hemsley when she joined. And if you're not done with that, there's always two words for you. Suck <laughs> it. Good one. That's, yeah, DX, DX is definitely a top. I think in anybody's. But... Top three stables. Well, yeah, they're the top five. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, top five stables. Uh, DX is in there. Um, we're down to our top three stables. All right. I, like I said, for importance, uh, at least I think they were important uh, at the time, and what, definitely one of my favorites. I have to go with Evolution because past, present, and future. Ric Flair, uh, Randy Orton, Triple H. And then it's kind of funny. It's kind of sad, actually, how. We got the past. We got the present future. Oh yeah, and then we got this mus- muscly guy over here, Batista. <laughs> I, I I felt kind of bad for him uh, that he wasn't really hyped up. But I think Evolution was probably the most important group since uh, the Four Horsemen, at least as far as far as relevance and how they were. They really did represent like three different generations. They did. And then they were, you know, they ran the show. What was it? Was that, um, what pay-per-view was that? Was that, what did it have been? What was the, what What did they used to have at the end of the year in 03 and 04? Was that Armageddon? Wouldn't yeah. that would have been Armageddon? That yeah. was when they won all the titles, right? When, um, yeah, yeah, all the belts. And, and then they lost to, uh, what was it? Batista, I think, lost to Shawn Michaels, but then they got put in the, in the, um, uh, the tag match at the end, the Dudley boys, they outlasted, they thought they won, and then all of a sudden out came Ric Flair and Batista. Ric and Flair and Batista were the tag team, and <laughs> I thought... That's funny. Be- <laughs> hey, uh, Batista, you get um, team up with the old man. Yeah. Like, well, you get a belt. You do? Sure. All right. Okay. So I, I honestly have to say the Evolution is probably... They're not my number one. But there's, I would say they're my favorite as far as just pure wrestling, like pure pro wrestling. 
probably all my favorite guys in one group. My top three of all time. Um, people are about to get highly upset. They're going to change the channel. They're going to change it. Like, nah, we're done with this bullshit. How could you? And, you know, it's fine. Hey, you know, your era coming on. But there has been other staples that have lasted also. So, sorry. <laughs> Number three, the Four Horsemen. Nice. I can just hear everybody just changing it. Hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> Which version? Oh, there you go. Original members. <laughs> nope. so formed in nineteen eighty. Yeah, formed in nineteen eighty-five by Ric Flair brothers Ole and Arn Anderson, and Tully Blanchard, who brought in his manager James J. Dillon to serve as the manager of the group. The name was derived from an impromptu interview where Arn Anderson uttered the words, "The only time this much havoc had been wrecked by this view, a number of people." You need to go all the way back to the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Add that to everyone in the group forming the number four with their hands and everyone in the group with a championship belt. Yeah, I'm doing the number four right now. Ric Flair and Tally Blunchard lived the gimmick outside the ring as well as they were close friends. Over the years, there have been many incarnations of the group, and I'm sure you can find someone out there and ask them which members were their favorite, and someone will always pick the two leaders of the group, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, and then the two guys that replaced them. Together, they all held 32 championships collectively. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Aaron Anderson. Aaron Anderson is all over the place on this list. Yes, Let's give Aaron Anderson an award for that. <laughs> all, the all the stables. Number two. Uh, you probably won't like this, but I do have to, I because I put them up so high, the fabulous Freebirds. Oh, that's fine. Because like, they're so influential. Like I said, when I mentioned Demolition and uh, even your guys, the New Day, use the Freebird rule. So, they, I mean, they all to, to this day, they all do the Freebird rule. Right. To this day, they're still, they, they've had such an impact. So I have to go with the Freebirds as number two. And number I did two. like Michael Hayes, especially when he was. Uh, trying to sell the the merchandise. Remember he would... <laughs> remember when he would sell the merchandise. Pure sexy always sells the merchandise. <laughs> and he was well, did he do Sunday Night Heat? Wasn't he a host on Heat? <sighs> Doc Hendricks. Yeah, Doc. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't know why they changed his name when everybody knows he's you know Michael right. Hayes. When he was Doc Hendricks, and he would sell. We got these T-shirts for sale, guys. Get on that phone <laughs> and call one eight hundred. WWE Rock. WWE Rock. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, oh, come on. I, wow. <laughs> that voice. I did. I thought it was when they called him Doc. I was like, why? 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 Like, oh, that's Michael Hayes. And then, and then there was actually a time where I thought maybe it's not him. Maybe it just looks like him. No, my mom told me it was Michael Hayes. I'm like, how do you, how do you know wrestling? Okay. <laughs> I know it because of magazines. Like, Get I on that later. Like, like that guy. Yeah, like, later on, like Pro Wrestling Illustrated, like mm -hmm. Michael Hayes, and exactly. then like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So well, this is go with the Freebird. Yeah, Freebird is cool. Um, my number two. If they're still listening, if you guys are still listening, cool. Um, hopefully this doesn't make you change. But hey, you're here. Might as well stay here, right? 
Number two, NWO. <laughs> nice. I'm pissing everybody off tonight. Hey, yo, Chico. Bash at the Beach, July 7, 1996. Hogan dropped a leg so hard on Randy Savage's little skid. Start weeping. He joins his friends, former WWE guys, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. He grabs a mic and tells the Hulkamaniac to stick it, brother. That's yeah. yeah, not going to work for anybody else. <laughs> and thus, the new world order of professional wrestling was born. Born. Why did I say bored? <laughs> it was born. The start of the revolution begins, and it's the only then that we all know shit is about to get real. With a combined total of 41 championships and an NBA championship. Oh. That count. That counts, right? Yeah, it counts. Of course. An NBA championship. Hey, an NBA championship counts. That's a, yeah. A lot of pro wrestling illustrated awards, and I'm gonna say it. The ending of the most uh, famous undefeated streak, <laughs> and a total combined 62 members into the group. Yeah. Since oh, wow. the in 1996, at one point they did have the 62 members in the in the ring. They were the top, oh. no, not really six, the thirty-two members at least. Oh, the okay. other, the other half were just like the B squad, and yeah. Um, didn't they call them that at one point? Wasn't it like NWO's? Didn't they call them B squad? Yeah, NWO B yeah. team, black yeah, and white B team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was the three versions of NWO: the NWO original, the NWO red and black uh, Wolfpack, Wolfpack yeah. the NWO. Um, Japan, there's a Japan oh, version. Yeah. There was an NWO B squad B lineup, which consisted of Stevie Ray and um, all the jobbers, Scott Norton. Um, there was the NWO the band. There was nobody left in WCW at that point. No, before they came. It's like, oh, all the members are here. It's like, all right, let's have a match. They were the top of the food chain, and the best thing happening, too sweet, until number one came about. Well. Still there. Everybody's still there? Wow. All right. I'm glad you're still there. <laughs> Probably because they want to listen to you. They're like, nah, fuck this guy. He don't know shit about wrestling. <laughs> no, I do. It's just so, that you're so hung up on the four horsemen being number one that you forget that NWO had an NBA championship. That's true. How many of how many other groups? Can how say many that? other stables no. can say they held an NBA championship? <laughs> Nobody. There you go. They're the goat. <laughs> They're well, the second goat. Okay. The first goat is really gonna piss them off. <laughs> oh no! All right, go for it. So, can we do one honorable mention? And one more honorable mention. One more honorable mention. Bloodline. The Bloodline. Damn, that why didn't I pick that? 500 days as a champion. Yeah, got it. Just because, you know, they're new, but I I just like them. They, they haven't done a whole lot. I mean, as far, you know, over the years. But give them time. Give them more time. But as far as number one goes, I'm going to have to go with Nation of Domination. Because what they the brought hell? us the rock. They brought us the rock. <laughs> they brought us the rock. Okay, <laughs> that's cool. Nation Nation, Baruch, uh, the Rock, Mark Hen. You can't forget when Owen Hart was there. Owen Hart, the Godfather, Owen Hart, the Godfather and the Godfather. 
D'Lo Brown. D'Lo Brown. Yeah, that's who I was trying to remember. D'Lo Brown. Um, yeah, you can't. Any group that brought you the Rock, just like you, DX, because they brought us Triple H, Nation Domination, and Nation Domination. I think that there would be no. Well, I can't say that. DX wouldn't have been as popular if they didn't have a foil. And who was the foil to DX? The Nation. Was they okay? The second generation of DX, the second gun. Well, okay, yeah, not the first. Because the first one was the Heart Foundation. The second one with the Rock as the leader was when they were really like the Attitude Era didn't start until Bret Hart left. Yeah, so I'd say '98 to whenever was when DX they had to have a team, and that was the the Nation. They were going back and forth. You know, it's just like when the nation would be out there beating up somebody, who would come out? DX. DX. Yeah. They even did blackface. Did DX. Oh DX. my <laughs> god. <laughs> go back to that one. <laughs> so yeah, I have to go with that. And they all they all went on to have respectable careers, right? Would you agree? Yeah. No? They did. Yeah, Wait, well, obviously the, the Rock. Yeah, the obviously yeah. the Rock. Mark Henry. Uh, Mark Henry. Um, yeah, Mark Henry. <laughs> Godfather. He was already Papa Shango and Kama, so he had already had a good career and went on to do the Ho Train. Um, obviously Owen Hart. The yeah. Good Father. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had a great career. <laughs> um, D'Lo yeah, Brown. D-Lo. Yeah. D'Lo, who like was kind of iffy after he did. Dropped up wrong, but well, still. Yeah. But people, when people talk about D'Lo, they not too many people say they didn't like him. They might say he was goofy, and so well, you know, character. like when he, when people talk about D'Lo, they just bring up the head shake. Yeah, you're messing with Dorado now. I'm like, oh come on, the strut and the head shake. That's all but, you remember from D'Lo Brown. But wrestlers, though, whenever they talk about him, no, I haven't heard anybody say anything bad unless they talk about when he slipped with um, draw. No, nah, they didn't even mention that either. It wasn't either one's fault. That's what draws, I mean. So draws knows that he's all like, nah, um, yeah. So if you ask but wrestlers, yeah. I don't think there's any wrestler that has anything bad to say. Not at all. You will. Okay, number one. People are still there. Cool. If not, eh, you missed out a good one. And the funny thing about this is that the top three have a um, a hand signal, hand gesture. Huh. Um, <clears throat> the four horsemen have the four. The NWO have the two sweet, yeah. and the number one two sweet also the Bullet Club. Oh wow! <laughs> the group was formed in 2013 by Prince Devitt or Finn Balor. Uh, they got together with Carl on Car. Finn Balor got together with Carl Anderson, Bud Luck Fallet, and Tamatanga to form the stable. Yeah, none of those guys are with the Bullet Club. Well, Carl Anderson is now still, but everybody else is gone. Like, nope, you guys sucked. <laughs> Before the year was over, the stable was joined by three other wrestlers, the Young Bucks and Doc Gallows. Well, there you go, John. In 2014, Balor left the group and was replaced by AJ Styles. As well as wrestle, Japanese wrestler Yujiro Takahashi, who won the 
uh, New Japan Cup. In 2017, the Bullet Club has gone on record as winning every belt that New Japan has to offer. With AJ Styles, Doc Gallows, and Carl Anderson left for greener pastures, they brought in more members. And one was Kenny Omega, who became the official leader of the group. The Young Bucks and Omega would branch off and split to become the elite. Jay White took over as second leader, but because of COVID restrictions, the real leader was Evil, who had just come into the group. There have been a total of 44 members in the group that have joined or left or kicked out. They have collectively won 80-plus championships around the world, as well as World Cups or G1 Climax Tournament. And that's why they're my number one. That's not they're a still around. Look at that. 10-year? Damn. They're mostly... Are they mostly in New Japan, though? Yeah, well... Collectively, yeah, they're mostly in Japan, New Japan. They're doing something for them in Impact, and they were mentioned on WWE when the Good Brothers were there. Oh. Hey, remember the, o- the original o- Bullet Club? OGBC? Yeah, them. And that was our top 10 stables of all time from our perspective. Um, Let's go for a short commercial break. (laughs) Be right back, guys. Welcome back. It's time for that WrestleMania Rewind, where we bring up our old WrestleMania moments and talk about it on the air. This week, we are headed to WrestleMania 7. During the show, we will be stating additional facts that you may or may not have known already that we just happened to come across on the web over the years. At times, we've discussed what happened afterwards to either the feud or the wrestler throughout the year. After we discuss the WrestleMania in its moments, we will rate it by the card, the roster, what impact did it have on pop culture, and is it rewatchable by giving it a unique rating system such as the how many videotapes out of 10 will we give it, and will we take it with us to school to have our friends watch it during a free class or an elective? It's our last episode of this. Let's go. All right. WrestleMania 7, where was it? Los Angeles. Home of the stars, the movie stars. Yeah, Hollywood. Oh, uh, March, Arena. March 24, 1991, Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena. Uh, WrestleMania 7 was originally scheduled to be held on March 24, 91 in Los Angeles, California at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. But the WWF decided to move the event to Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena. I wonder why. I'd always heard that um, it was... They didn't want people to because the other one was an open arena, and they were worried about Sergeant Slaughter at the time. Sergeant Slaughter, what because do you he know? was he was being an Iraqi guy, I guess, during the war, which is believable. Yeah. But uh, they didn't. They had they later on did WrestleMania Nine outside, but there, but there, there was no war going on, and nobody was like teaming with, like he's my, you know, country that we hate. Japan, just some guy. I think they Japan said they came got over. threats, though. They did get threats, but they claimed they got threats. Um, other well, people claim yeah. because they didn't sell enough tickets, so they had to move it. Uh, well, yeah, you have to remember that they were doing Desert Storm at the time, though. 
Yeah, and the fact, yeah, it's but, like um, believable that um, Sergeant Slaughter siding with the enemy, being a, a traitor, right. someone would come in there and you know no, snipe him. Yeah, not at the time. I just think uh, I wasn't around at the time, but you know, um, it's believable anyway. It's believable. I, I don't know. I wasn't like you said. I wouldn't know. Sure, but it's believable. <sighs> This was the first WrestleMania not to feature Jesse Ventura as a color commentator. I miss him already. Gorilla Monsoon hosted the event with Bobby Heenan, my favorite team, yeah. when, when Heenan had to manage at ringside in the opening match. And again, during Mr. Perfect's Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship defense, Monsoon was joined on a commentary by Jim Duggan and Lord Halford <laughs> Hayes, respectively. In addition... Regis Philbin helped with commentary on the main event while Alex Trebek served as the ring announcer. And the they artist, did backstage too. He they did. <laughs> the artist for promotional posters, renowned illustrator painter Joe Jusco, known mainly for his work within the comic book industry, such as Marvel DC, the nineteen ninety one Marvel Masterpiece trading cards, and some awesome Bamparella comic books. Sir, if you draw Bamparella, you are a legend in my book. <laughs> How do you? Well, damn. <laughs> All right. Willie Nelson sang the American the Beautiful anthem. Thank you, Willie. Yeah, hopefully they didn't, uh, or I should, luckily they didn't have the wellness policy back At, then for. Mm, yeah, entertainer, great. Like you don't work for us, but hey, that's not gonna that's not gonna work for us, brother. <laughs> First match of the night, your boys, the Rockers, defeated Haku and Barbarian with Bobby Heenan. Which they should have, but you really think they shouldn't have? I it don't think they should. Good, have. it was a good ten minute match. Yeah. Good opener, oh. you know. I would have liked if Haku and Barbarian won, but it was for the kids. It was for the, for the kids. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, I understand because 1991 was a bad year for the Barbarian. As this whole yeah. year, he would eventually lose all the matches. The only good high-profile match he had this year was against British Bulldog at the Battle Royal at Albert Hall. Due to the loss at WrestleMania, Haku went back to being solo, tried facing the returning Ricky Steamboat on house shows. In the summer of 91, he appeared in Japan for Super World of Sports for a joint at WWF's SWS Forbidden Door type of card. And there's going to be a lot of mention of the Super World of Sports on this episode. <laughs> so there's that. It was the beginning of the end for the Rockers, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, which I know you loved. Um, in the middle of the year, they just completely hated each other behind the scenes. In May, they got into a legit fight that was instigated by Roddy Piper, of all people, of course. That's not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Both were drunk, and Piper came into the group and told Michaels he would one day become a big star. I, I, I would He's see right. it, yeah. Yeah, he was right. Janetti took this as an insult and told Michaels to go outside with him so they can fight. Remember, they're all both drunk. Yeah. Michaels tried to ignore him, but Janetti, who didn't take no for an answer, that's not a good thing, man. That's a very toxic trait of you. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Take no for an answer. 
Well, now we, yeah. <laughs> he attacked Michaels in front of everyone. Oh, wow. Michaels passed out. Way to go, Michaels. Jeez. No wonder you don't, have a, you don't wonder you don't have a smile. <laughs> he, was Mike, possum, he was just playing possum. Michaels passed out and didn't come through until the next day. <laughs> what? <laughs> Police came to arrest Janetti, but Randy Savage intervened and told the cops that it was part of the storyline. Faking kayfabe. Uh, nice. Like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. He's just uh, sleeping over there. <laughs> <laughs> what time is he going to wake up? He's drunk, passed out. Come on. Oh, wow. He's faking wow, it. <laughs> this was the first time that Michaels has ever lost his smile in WWE history. He almost quit the company. This led to the December taping of breaking up the tag team and Michaels going solo for good because he didn't like Janetti. Nobody liked Janetti. I liked him back then. As a tag team, then like that happened. As a tag team, no, not solo. Not solo. There, yeah, that's fine. Uh, match number two: Texas Tornado defeated Dino Bravo in three minutes. Which I like. I was big of the Texas Tornado. I always thought he was Ultimate Warrior without makeup, though. Yeah. I could see it. Looks similar. Like if he would have put the makeup on him, they had a very similar build. I didn't know who Kerry Von Eric was at the time. I didn't know him. You know, Pex Tornado, like another guy that looks like that guy. What the hell? Okay, sure. <laughs> Why? Why have two guys look similar? Oh, but just later on, didn't they start calling him that? Like not when they call Kerry Kerry Von. Yeah. They did. Maybe not Von. Eric, um, they definitely mentioned. No, they did. They they mentioned the Carrie Von Eric family and everything. Okay. Uh, Carrie Von Eric would be heavily pushed through the summer of '91. They would never mention his past accomplishments, but did acknowledge him as a veteran superstar who didn't have anything to prove to anyone. Sure, okay, because he has family. He was defeated by the Warlord at SummerSlam. Uh, there goes your push. Oh, wow. In October, he renewed his rivalry, his old rivalry, and lost several times against Ric Flair in the UK tour. He suffered his first squash loss in November against The Undertaker in a four minutes. Damn! Oh, wow. Well, he did, defeat, he did defeat Dino Bravo in three minutes, so... Yeah, you gotta pay it back. Pay it forward, I guess. <laughs> his last match was at the Royal, next year's Royal Rumble, and yeah. we never hear from him again. Rest in peace, Kerry Von Erich. Yeah, that was Matt, it. It was like I like would have loved to see more of the Texas well, Tornado, but I got to see more of Carrie Van Eric in WCCW and the history of WCCW on DVD. Oh, no. Well, I actually remember he, you know, I was in Sacramento at that time. Uh, on the news, they mentioned it, which was surprising because you know, hear about. WWE and or WWF and like pro wrestling on outside of their own uh, little universe. So, it was 1991. I was out of the country at the time. Oh, really? Hear about it more on the Origins episode. Uh, story back. Yeah, it's in the podcast. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was in 1991. I was out of the country. I'll bring. Yeah, some he, more he died in 92, oh. though. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. yeah, that's right. And then, no, nah, I was still out. Oh, I didn't okay. come back till okay. like 
SummerSlam '92. Oh, because the only probably. the only time I remember coming back to the United States just yeah, hey, Summer SummerSlam '92 happened. Oh. What wrestling still around? Cool, let's go. Oh wow. <laughs> um, match number four or whatever match is next. The British Bulldog defeated the Warlord Slick as Slick his Slick. manager. There really is nothing to say about no. the two because um, and it was they long. didn't do much later in the year either. The warlord got released. British Bulldog is still British Bulldogging, I guess. Um, he didn't do much until nineteen ninety two also. What That's was when Winston? he Winston what was that? the dog. Was Winston the dog? Winston The Winston the dog, yeah. yeah. Or was it yeah, was it Winston? We're all about it. So it was a girl dog. No. I don't remember. Uh, the Nasty Boys defeated the Heart Foundation. Which I wasn't happy about. Um, still not happy about it, actually, but definitely not happy about it back then. Nobody was. Uh, after this. I never understood um, why Jimmy Hart would not be teamed with the Heart Foundation. Right. He betrayed <laughs> them. He's a heart also. Okay, here's for the WWF Tag Team Championship. The Nasties had come to the WWF late in December of 1990 to nasticize the company. Okay, I really hated this tag team from the jump, even when they turned faces. I would always yeah, I cringe like at the thought. No, I hated Even when they turned faces, I would always cringe at the thought of one of them taking their opponent's face and rubbing it into the other's nasty armpits after having a oh. long match. Uh, yeah, man. Like, oh man, come on. Do I really need to see this? And then go turn around and do it at school. He? <laughs> <laughs> like, come here and put your face in here. Never happened. I saw someone do it, but I never did it. Freaking bullies. They held the tag team titles until SummerSlam of 91 when they were defeated by the Legion of Doom or the World Warriors, as they were called everywhere else. They feuded with the Rockers and the Bushwhackers up until Survivor Series when they teamed up with the Beverly Brothers. Remember those guys? This was the end of the Hart Foundation era up until 1997 when they were united. They split up and Neidhart went and became a commentator with Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. They are part of the Bobby Heenan revealing the WWE World Heavyweight Championship belt on TV and introducing the WWE Universe to Ric Flair, the real champion. And then Neidhart... And then Nightheart does his uh, usual um, stroke his beard, stroke his beard. Yeah. yeah. Grab, his beard. Grab his beard. My God. And then looking at each other. So annoying. But, you know, it happened. Nightheart went back to tag team action when he teamed up with Owen Hart in late 91 in December as the New Heart Foundation. The New Foundation, not the New Heart Foundation. He was fired in early 92 after refusing to take a drug test. <laughs> oh, well. We all know about those surprise drug tests that work. <laughs> yeah, you want to start? Uh, you want to quit? Yeah. Quit. I'll quit. And throwing a monitor backstage. Fuck this. I don't need to take a drug test. I'm a night heart. No, you're yeah. not a heart. You're a night heart. Bret Hart got a massive push and drove that push to SummerSlam when he defeated Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental Championship. He won the first ever non-televised, non-pay-per-view 1991 King of the Ring. And defeated Skinner in his first IC title defense at the Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view. 
Speaking of non-televised first ever matches, he was also involved in the first ever non-televised non-pay-per-view ladder match against Shawn Michaels with the belt suspended up above the air. So, always making history. Hey, so technically, HBK is really one win and two losses in ladder matches. Oh, yeah, let's not talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Next on the card, Jake Roberts defeated Rick Martel in a blindfold match, which went on too long. It should have just been a short match, but okay. Gimmick match, important at the time. It was entertaining. No relevance. No relevance, just entertaining. It's entertainment, damn it. Entertainment. Uh, This was an entertaining match due to both of them being blindfolded. Sure. This all came about because Rick Martel sprayed Jake Roberts' eyes with his cologne called Arrogance. This kayfabe blinded Jake's eyes to make it realistic. Jake the Snake Roberts wore white contact lenses and everyone ate it. And you still didn't give him a title shot. Or you give him, didn't give him any titles. The, look what he did for the company. He still didn't give him anything. The feud culminated at this WrestleMania where they were both blindfolded and had to find their opponents. Rick Martel was trying to look for his opponent by walking around aimlessly. Jake, however, took his gimmicks approach and slithered around the ring, pointing at Martel and getting the fans' reactions. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Both of them did confess later on that they had limited vision due to the light being turned down. After his feud with Rick Martel, Jake turned into another feud with Earthquake, who squashed Damien the Snake right in front of him. Oh, man. Saddest day in wrestling history. It was sad back then. We were all... Again, we believed it at that age. Eight years old. I just recently watched this, so... Okay. <laughs> it's still real to me, damn it. It's still real to me. To make this kayfabe real, again, they stuffed hamburger meat in the snake bag and a small mechanical device to the pig movement. Earthquake would go on an episode of Primetime Wrestling with a chef hat and serve Vince McMahon, Lord Alfred Hayes, and Bobby Heenan some of his famous Quake Burgers, which were really snake burgers. <laughs> Jake the Snake would later introduce Damien's big brother, Lucifer. Oh, the snake has a big brother, huh? In the summer of 91, while Ultimate Warrior was feuding with The Undertaker, Warrior went to Jake Roberts for help. Jake would tell Warrior that he needed to pass three tests in order to defeat the dark side and The Undertaker. Ooh. The first one would be Warrior needed to be locked inside the coffin. The second one is he needed to be buried alive in dirt. And the third test is to walk inside a room full of snakes to reach a chest containing the answer. Really? This was really a thing? <laughs> when Warrior got the chest and right? It was like and Indiana Jones and the and chest of answers. Yeah, how to defeat the Undertaker. <laughs> how to defeat the Undertaker. Well, here's the answer in the chest. Don't go alone, take this. Yep. When Warrior got to the chest and opened it, he was attacked by a King Cobra to which Jake the Snake, the Undertaker, and the manager Paul Bear came out and Jake exclaimed, Never trust a snake. That's true. Thus finally turning heel. 
he was supposed to continue the food, but Warrior got fired at SummerSlam. More on that later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the snake would then turn his attention to a wedding reception later that year, and as a nice gesture, he gave the couple a gift that they would never forget. Ah, uh, such a freaking nice person, don't you think? Yeah, it's nice for a heel. He nah, He gave Randy Savage Miss Elizabeth a gift. What a slittering surprise. He's always going to be a heel, never coming back to this. More on that, what that um, gift was later. Like, see, we're saving stuff for later. It, it all makes sense later. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and the biggest squash match ever, The Undertaker defeated Jimmy Snuka. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't know, what, what was that for? What was the... Somebody was mad at Snuka uh, was it this year? 91? Eh, maybe. <laughs> or probably, or, like even probably earlier. Probably earlier. Like, why are these guys fighting? But, I don't like, know. two guys that don't make sense. Yeah, um, there was no reason for them to really be. This Undertaker's first match, uh, let's give him Snuka. Snuka, you're losing in four minutes. What? Sorry, man. It's the end of the era. Uh, it's the end of the Snuka era and the beginning of the win- WrestleMania winning streak for the Undertaker. Uh, Taker would then set his sights on the Ultimate Warrior, basically defeating everyone from the old generation. Mm-hmm. He mainly did. He played Warrior into the Dark Side persona, but would eventually lose to him in first time ever matches, such as a coffin match. Some regular house show matches and my very personal favorite body bag matches. Hit it! Get him a body bag! Yeah! <laughs> he quickly rose to the top and defeated Hulk Hogan for the WWF Championship at Survivor Series with help from Ric Flair becoming the first youngest WWE champion at 26 years old, a record which would later be broken by Yokozuna in 1993. And the little, another record would be broken later on. 2004. Hey, there you go. Due to Taker well, winning Brock, the... Oh, go ahead. Yeah? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Due to Taker winning the belt in controversial fashion, WWF kayfabe president Jack Tunney ordered a rematch between the two at the Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view in December, which Hogan won via controversy. Due to this, Jack Tunney vacated the belt, and the WWF was held... Without a champion until the Royal Rumble 1992, which Ric Flair won. Greatest night in the history yeah. of his life. Oh, of his life. Yeah, the greatest night of his life. He's quoted as saying the greatest night of his life. Even after Not, all the marriages? Even after all the births, all the marriages, the greatest night of his life. <laughs> all right. What an evil man. Check it out on Peacock Network. Evil. <laughs> Ric Flair story. Is there. Um... <laughs> uh, my favorite match of the night, the Ultimate Warrior defeated Macho Man, 
Macho King, Randy Savage with Queen Sherry in a retirement match. Okay, so was this a retirement match or was this just um, Macho just loses and it was a retirement match? Was Ultimate Warrior going to lose a retirement match? Was it supposed to be a retirement match with both of them? Yeah, whoever lost was supposed to. Oh, now that you mention it. I Yeah, it was both on the line. Both careers were supposed to be on the line. Okay. Because, yeah, I wouldn't see Ultimate Warrior ever retiring. But he did anyway, like which yeah. sucks because like he did this and then he did the holder shit and then he gets right thrown right. out. Anyway. It's like, oh man, we just took out Randy Savage. What? <laughs> uh, it, it was an awesome match. I really, I really love this one because it just fucking nail in the coffin for both of them. And it's like at the time I was. Like, oh my goodness! Oh, yeah. I know who Macho. Who, I know who Macho Man was, and then Ultimate Warrior is like, oh, well, he's the guy that defeated Hulk Hogan last year. Oh, Wait, were you not watching much yet? No, I wasn't. Oh, okay. I was out of the country. Right, you did see. I got to watch Luchadores. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So there was that. Um. I did get to see a tape during that time when I was over there, no. and I got to see this match, and I got to see uh, the entire show. It's like the only two matches I remember from the show are this one and the main event. So just like, oh shit, you know, Ultimate Warrior. No. Hate. I still hated him from beating Hulk Hogan at oh. the time, so I was rooting for Randy Savage at this match, and I then this happened. It. I think I was going for Randy at that time. Uh, we mentioned Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 6 before, so Warrior was champion for the rest of the year until he lost it in the 91 Royal Rumble to Sergeant Slaughter, who at the time had a gimmick of an Iraqi sympathizer at the time. So basically, the narrative here was uh, he was a traitor and betrayed America by siding with the enemy, which was going through the Gulf War at the time. More on that later. Ultimate Warrior kept getting requests from Randy Savage for a title shot, but Warrior kept denying those requests. Warrior was never a fighting champion. Confirmed. Yeah, see? Should have known. Hogan should have held that belt. No. Give it to Warrior. Yeah. Sherry distracted Warrior at the Rumble, which led to Randy Savage coming to the ring and bashing his King Scepter on Warrior's head, ending his championship reign with Sergeant Slaughter defeating Warrior due to that. My favorite moment every time. Just just freaking Savage just going... Savage, Savage doing Savage and just like, you know, hitting him with the scepter and then like moving around all crazy. Like, dude, calm down. <laughs> Get out of there no. before the referee turns around. <laughs> Stop. Man. Oh my. All that coke. <laughs> all that, all those drugs at the time. Like, oh, stranger things have happened, man. All right, brother. Yeah, he would know. This led to Warrior setting his sights on Randy Savage in the retirement match, which he won, and sent Randy packing. We talked about Warrior and Roberts and how they were supposed to have a match soon, but was fired at SummerSlam. During his match in July, Rally took a turn, and Warrior, who was known as Jim Hellwig at the time, before he legally changed his name to Ultimate Warrior, 
Jim sent a letter to Vince McMahon requesting an inclusion into his new WWF contract. Here we go. Here we get the freaking tea. All the shit is coming out. This is, this is uh, um, the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. The DVD, the sh- one that should have been stayed there, not. No, we're putting it back in the ball because we want the Ultimate Warrior in the Hall of Fame. Too little, too late there, buddy. You shouldn't have told us about this, and this happened. He requested a $550,000 for his WrestleMania match. That's a yeah, lot of money. It was like an hour or two before the show. He wanted it. Hey, a guaranteed number of working days, travel accommodations, and a higher percentage of merch sales. Come on. God, you're like, you're, oh my goodness. He said that. 550000 was fair, and that Warrior was a much bigger name than Hulk Hogan. No! Come on. Never. Uh, no, I don't even know who you are, dude. Hulk Hogan invented wrestling. <laughs> Been the number two, at least for gimmick. No, Randy Savage no. was number two. <laughs> it's like, not even that. If anything, Warrior's not even the... Yeah, he's in the top ten. Fine. But um just like a superhero to kids. Oh are we gonna go with top wrestlers of the eighties? <laughs> next <laughs> next show? Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Ted DiBiase. To kids though? It's to kids, yeah. Why not? Okay. Top faces and heels or just top faces? Yeah, top faces, I think. He was okay, Jimmy let's put in Jimmy Snuka. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> oh, never mind. Um, all right, so he's he's in there in the top faces with Warrior. Um, yeah, he is. Yeah. He's a uh, he ended the letter with, "Whatever your decision is, I can and will live with it. Till then, I will remain home with the ones who cares." So he just basically took his ball and went home. Yeah. Yeah, good luck with that. The WWF responded a week later and agreed to his $550,000 for WrestleMania 7, a higher royalty rate, and promising no other performer would be paid no more than him on WWF pay-per-views. He got what he wanted. McMahon personally ended the letter with, I would like to express my deepest appreciation and admiration for you as a performer, as a member of the WWF family, as a man, and as my friend. Wink, wink, motherfucker. During his match at SummerSlam, he was supposed to team up with Hulk Hogan to face Sergeant Slaughter, General Adnan, and Colonel Mustafa in a handicap match, during which Warrior was supposed to run them to the back, leaving Hogan and Slaughter in the ring. That's not going to work for Hogan, brother. (laughs) As Warrior makes his way to the back, he is handed a letter, and on the spot, it's told he is suspended. In the letter, McMahon says, you threaten to stay at home, thereby not even appearing at Titan's major summer pay-per-view event. SummerSlam. I had no choice but to accede to your exorbitant uh, damn big word. Accede to your exorbitant demands. There was a serious mistake on your part. He used a big word on Little Warrior. <laughs> Vince basically said, you're sure, buddy, I'll go with your demands for one month just to get you to stay and finish the storyline. And since you won't get money out of me, I'm going to get money out of you by having you appear at SummerSlam and firing at the exact same spot. This led to a lot of legal battles between the two where Warrior sent a letter of resignation 
but the company sent a letter back saying they owned his ass until September of 92. Oh. <laughs> it's like, that's not how this works, dude. <laughs> you want to play hardball with us? We're, we're going to play it back. Oh, that's funny. Randy Savage retired, and you thought it would be the end of that. No, nope. he was betrayed by Queen Sherry after the match, which caused Ms. Elizabeth, Randy's wife, to come out of the crowd and take out Sherry. Randy got up after his vicious beatdown and saw that Elizabeth aided him in his troubles, to which we now get the very famous crowd reaction of people crying because oh, Savage turning someone's face. Oh. <laughs> it's a voyage Oh, match made in heaven. Oh. I say somewhat phased because he then takes the jab. It takes a job as commentator with Vince McMahon as kind of a heel commentator. Well, he's a dick still. Oh, in the beginning, you <laughs> and he's a, he's still a dick. But hey, I love Elizabeth. <laughs> His storyline with Miss Elizabeth continued as he got down on one knee and proposed to her in one of the most parody proposals of all time. Will you marry me? <laughs> John Morrison did it to tie up Valkyrie on an episode of Lucha Underground a few years back. Still to this day, they still do that. They would eventually kayfabe wed at SummerSlam because they're already married. They're, they're married. Why? Oh, Were they having trouble at this time? Oh, you guys are having trouble? Let's get you guys back on the horse and marry you guys. Yeah, renew your vows. Renew your vows. It'll work. In what is called a match made in heaven. During the reception, they open a box with a live Keaton Cobra inside. I wonder who gave him that. <laughs> Which ended up being a prank joke by Jake the Snake Roberts and the Undertaker. That's not a joke. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, stranger things have happened here, man. <laughs> Weeks later, Jake Roberts would bait Randy Savage to get in the ring with him. Savage, who was still retired and doing commentary, finally agreed and went to the ring to confront Jake, but was attacked and trapped on the ring ropes, to which Jake grabbed the King Cobra and made him bite Randy's arm. Best thing ever. <laughs> Savage urged fans and Jack Tunney to reinstate him to face Jake Roberts, to which he finally did and ended up fighting at the Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view in December. Oh, that was the best thing ever. Stranger things have happened here, man. <laughs> Like, I love the when Jake tells this story. It's always funny because he does his impersonation too. And when yeah. he, Jake Roberts does the Randy Savage impersonation, it's like, yeah, that's how he sounds. <laughs> uh, SWS Revolution, Tenryu and Koji Kitao defeated Demolition Smash and Crush. With. <sighs> I didn't know who I, I mean I don't really know who they are now. I definitely didn't know who they were then. Right, just two Japanese guys showing up. Man, what super world of sports? It's the Forbidden Door. Yeah, I and no which idea. which we said earlier we would talk about this, and here's the part where we talk about in the middle of a show. And why is this not in the beginning of the show? Yeah, really. Yeah, I had no like idea. Like the one, two, three, four matches, four match, five matches before the main event, and they all suck. All right, let's see. Uh, Tenryu and Kitao were wrestlers from Super World of Sports and known as a big stable called the Revolution. 
They came to the WWF as a forbidden door entrant. After the showdown with Demolition, they went back to Japan for another SWS show with another sumo-turned wrestler who was supposed to wrestle. Earthquake. <laughs> Kitao was booked to lose his match, but broke kayfabe and started to legit kick John Tenta, Earthquake, who tried to gouge his eyes out, didn't sell any of Quake's attacks, and stalled the match. <laughs> oh my gosh. Knowing that Quake wasn't going to let this go, Kitao kicked the referee in the place, Grabbed the mic and told everyone that wrestling was fake. Oh, where's the, where's the booze? Let's give this guy the booze. Damn right, you don't call fake man. And that Tenta could never beat him in a real fight. Oh, he told him. He was fired from SWS shortly afterwards for trying to expose the business. Oh, man. Uh, Demolition now down to two members, Axe, who left the WWF, and Kayfabe explanation was that Jake Tunney only allowed Demolition to be a two-person tag team now. The rest of the Demolition went on tour with SWS as well and lost matches to them. Basically, if you go over there, you're going to lose. Yeah, like it's, pretty- a it's a forbidden door to come here. Um... You can win the matches here, but when you go over there, you're going to lose matches. We still win. Ha ha. <laughs> Their final match together was in September of that year. Crush went on to leave of Athens, to which he came back the following year, repackaged as a Hawaiian surfer. Great. His match was repackaged in the fall of 91 as Repo Man, a thief claiming to be repossessing valuable things due to being late on payment. <laughs> I love that gimmick. He would be hired by Ted DiBiase to help repossess his million-dollar belt from his former bodyguard, Virgil. Reboman team with DiBiase to defeat Virgil and Tito Santana at the Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view. Because why not? Why wouldn't it be Tito Santana? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, Big Boss Man defeated Mr. Perfect via DQ. For the Intercontinental Championship. And, well, Mr. Perfect still Intercontinental Champion. Which I was not happy about. Yeah, it was by... What's... Um, this, this wasn't when uh, Andre didn't come out on this one, did he? He did. He did, that's what... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Hart was with Mr. Perfect. Yeah, uh, Andre came out with his cane. I'm like, oh, man, you didn't have to come out, dude. Come on. We all know you're back there, but you didn't really have to come out. Uh, Perfect then began feeding with British Bulldog, to which he started suffering a back problem, injury. Of course, British Bulldog. Right, sure. Bret Hart was the next person to challenge Perfect for the IC title and on the road to SummerSlam. Perfect would defeat his opponents by kicking them out outside the ring, winning via countout to save his back. Like, he wanted to have an actual perfect match with Bret Hart. So he would, like, he would rehab and just, like, now nah, we're going to do this. We're going to throw you out. I'm going to win like that. And then SummerSlam would go and, like, have an awesome match. He was then lose the belt to Brett and retired the next few months due to a broken tailbone and bulged disc. He spent the rest of the year recovering from his injury and becoming the executive consultant to Ric Flair. And then come back for WrestleMania 9. Or actually 92 Survivor Series? Yeah, Survivor Series 92. 
Oh, wow. Again, another match that should have been at the top. Earthquake defeated Greg Ballantyne. Come on. (laughs) They're so horrible. Later in 91, Earthquake formed a tag team with Typhoon and called himself the Natural Mm -hmm. Disasters. Uh, Tugboat. Hey! (laughs) And they would eventually feud with... um, God, and they would eventually feud with LOD over the tag team belt. Later, the disasters turned face, and Jimmy Hart betrayed him by joining Money Inc. Jeez, not enough. Greg Valentine leaves. I said, not enough stuff about them at all. Just like, you know what? Fuck these guys. <laughs> 91 sucked. Oh, man. Again. I know. Why was this even a match then? Why come out? Why put. Yeah. <laughs> Legion of Doom defeated Power and Glory. Hercules and Power Roma in 59 seconds. Why? Yeah, and I like Power and Glory back. Right, and then they just tell Hercules you're going to job for the next two WrestleManias and to Legion of Doom. I get, you know, push Legion of Doom, but 59 seconds it, towards the end of the show? Right. Why even do that? Why even have a match? Just put him in the dark match. That would be fine. Right. As SummerSlam, LOD would defeat the Nasty Boys for the WWE Tag Team Championship, becoming the only team to win tag belts in all three promotions at the time. WWE, WWE, and AWA. Uh, Virgil defeated Ted DiBiase via countout. Okay. Don't this care, one, really. Uh, this was when Piper came out with the yeah. yeah. Get up! Get yeah. up! Oh, that's horrible. Virgil would eventually defeat Teddy Biasi and be crowned the Million Dollar Champion other than DiBiase at SummerSlam, but lost the belt back to Teddy Biasi in November due to out interference from Repo Man. Again. <laughs> oh, all right. The I'm Mountie Virgil. defeated Tito Santana for one minute, 21 Virgil seconds. Music. <laughs> Remember, remember Virgil's theme music? Virgil had a theme music? Yeah. Generic? I don't remember it at it all. It had lyrics. Like, it has lyrics. It had lyrics. I should watch this again. Like, I didn't really care for Virgil. Even then. Like, no, sorry, dude. Um, it's the reason why you don't have a line in your conventions. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, the Mountie defeated Tito Santana. Why? Why? Why is my least favorite Mexican in the before the main event? <laughs> you didn't like Tito like, back then? I mean, not I, then. I know you were out of the country, but I mean, just back then, before 96. No. no. Oh, freaking. <sighs> I liked him back then. Not freaking Jobber Santana. Matador, El El Matador. (laughs) Mountie soon after feuded with Big Boss Man, claiming he was sole legitimate law enforcer in WWF. That would have been a better match at WrestleMania than whatever. So how did they resolve this? By having them face off at SummerSlam in a jailhouse match. 
Damani lost the match and ended up spending the night in prison at Survivor Series. He teamed with Ric Flair, Teddy Biasi, and the Warlord to defeat the team of Roddy Piper, Virgil, Bret Hart, and Davey Boy Smith. See, y'all fucked up when you had Virgil on the team, <laughs> Bret. That's why. We're trying to be politically correct. Big boss man the next year would be fighting nails. <laughs> it was like his gimmick matches are all jailhouse matches. Yeah. Well, there's only so much you can do. Oh, sweet. Jesus. Finally, the main event. <laughs> Can't believe we got through. How are you going to give us the ultimate war and give us like a bunch of shit matches? Oh, damn. Like, all right, cool. Let's go with finally the main event. Hulk Hogan defeated Sergeant Slaughter for the WWF Championship. 20 minutes, 26. We had to wait 20 minutes for this. Uh, Hogan and Slaughter would continue their feud to SummerSlam, where Hogan would team up with Ultimate Warrior for one night to face off against Sergeant Slaughter, General Adnan, and Colonel Mustafa, who was really Iron Sheik. Cheeky. <laughs> because of Warrior holding himself hostage and demanding more money, Vince had told Sergeant Slaughter and Hogan that he wanted what he wanted in this match. Hey, that's not going to work for me, brother. Can I just beat his ass? Nah. <laughs> okay. Hogan had told Vince they could easily kick his ass and make it seem like a mistake. Oops. Like all three of them? Yeah, okay. All three. All three. Hey, it was a mistake. Sorry, brother. <laughs> it's Instead, they do the general and going to the back and Ultimate Warrior following him and getting fired. Here's your letter. Get the hell out of here. That's up. <laughs> meanwhile, Hogan is celebrating in the ring and looking at every, at um, the commentators. Did it happen already? Is he gone? Yeah, okay. I can go in the back. Don't have to face Warrior. Wow. In the fall of 91, the WWE champion met face-to-face with the other NWA world champion, Ric Flair. The feud remained unresolved in the WWE as he was set to face and lose the WWE Championship to the Undertaker at Survivor Series. Again, that's not going to work for him. Hogan claimed that his young Taker legit hurt Hogan and almost in- seriously injured him when he tombstoned him on the chair. He didn't even hit the freaking chair, dude. Well, <laughs> he didn't. He didn't even hit the chair. Undertaker's legs hit the chair. Knees hit the chair first, and then his head. It was the soft way. <laughs> Hey. Taker has gone on record saying that he needed to keep his radar up when dealing with backstage politics with Hogan. No shit. Everybody else should have told you that by now. Uh, the next few days, he lost the belt back to Hogan at Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view. Due to that alone, the title was declared vacant, and Hogan never saw the belt again until WrestleMania 9. Good. Well, not good either way. But still, it didn't take long for like WrestleMania 7 to WrestleMania 8. He didn't have anything because Ric Flair was a champion. Yeah. You were happy about that. I was freaking happy about that. <laughs> Rick, that was the greatest night in the history of Ric Flair. What? <laughs> uh, okay. The, um, that's the pay-per-view. That's WrestleMania for you. Um, card. The card. Let's rate it. Hmm. I liked it back then, but looking at it again, it's like, oh. Looking at it now, it's like, what the hell, man? Yeah. 
The only good thing about it was the the main event and of course yeah, Randy Macho. Savage and Macho Man. Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior. Uh, I probably have to give it four. Four tapes. Four tapes. We're doing this already. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the roster was awesome. Impact on Bob Walter. Hogan was making movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Four tapes is good. Two matches were stood out to me. Even then, I'm just like, shit. Well, back then, I like the Rockers match, I'm sure. Tech match back then. Um, seeing them, if not the match, but at least I like those characters. Would we take it to school with us? Mm. Yeah, sure. Somebody yeah. give it to somebody. Like you can have it. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't want to see that in my house. <laughs> like, um, circle it around. Give it to somebody else if you don't want it. Like, yeah, hey, I'll... come watch this tape. <laughs> I, will... I guess I'd take it to school. <laughs> I did that to somebody. Like, oh, dude, you can have it. Oh. I don't want it. <laughs> Oh shit! Uh, I forgot what show it was. It's like, no, nah, you can have it. Okay, cool. And then we're like, oh, that's why you gave it. That's all the time we have for tonight. We did it. We made it to WrestleMania, which is this weekend. Woo! We would try to cover WrestleMania weekend, so keep an ear open for possible episodes on Saturday or Sunday for everything that happened at the Hall of Fame in WrestleMania night one and night two. If not, we can always go back Monday night, which we'll be discussing night two of WrestleMania and everything else we may have missed. We are also rehauling our show. Yes, we are. You still will be listening to the same podcast, but different schedules. Sundays, we will get the weekly wrestling wrap-up. And Wednesdays, we're bringing you a new segment called Under the Apron. Short, dark side of the ring style documentaries that you probably won't hear anywhere else and will be coming from the both of us. Cool. Cool. Right? Right. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting us. We also have joined the Nerdvana Network. If I haven't said it enough, maybe I will say it again. TNN for short which is a conglomerate of podcasts that promotes each other's common interests, so give them a follow as well. Check out the Linktree, linktree.com, the spore slash, the Nirvana Network, for more information on that. There's the All Cued Up podcast, which is two nerds watching internet streaming shows. Nerds. They have new content every Friday. The Masterpiece Shetpiece Theater Show. They go live every Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Hey, we're trying to get on that show, so, you know. We'll see how that goes. We're trying to do a little spinoff here. Them coming on our show, we come on their show. Hey, bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> <laughs> and the Nerds Have Spoken podcast, like-minded individuals who are dedicated to bring weekly entertainment and discussions of nerd culture, sports, games, collections, and so much more. Is a podcast palooza, guys. If you have a YouTube account or rather watch your podcast on YouTube, check out the Coco Smith Showcase Collectible Show, the Sentinel Bay Review, and Tim K's Nerd Crate. 
all awesome video shows. Smash the subscribe button on those shows. Please tell them I sent you. Uh, post a comment on their shows. Say Ernie from All Things Wrestling Podcast sent us here. We will freaking give you a shout out on the next episode. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at all underscore things underscore pod. Follow me on Twitter at Million Dollar Geek. Listen to us on Spotify on our Anchor at All Things Wrestling. Check us out on Facebook groups at All Things Wrestling with the same logo. Check us out on YouTube and smash that subscribe button. Smash it for good. See that? I'm smashing that subscribe button. Follow us on Instagram for more wrestling content. Thank you for supporting our content and giving us a lesson. Until next time, WrestleMania weekend. Let's go. All right. Cool. We're good. See you guys next time. See you next time.